Welcome to the Pop Ninja Podcast, where we reminisce about the pop culture of the 70s, 80s, and beyond. From bell-bottom jeans to parachute pants, from Panama Jack shirts to members-only jackets, from Smurfs and Scooby-Doo to Thundar the Barbarian. If you had a Rubik's Cube, wore a Swatch Watch, was crazy about Max headroom, or ever wondered who shot JR, then this podcast is where you will feel right at home. Now, jump in the DeLorean time machine and join your hosts, Lisa and Patrick, as they take you on a pop culture adventure through the greatest decades of all time. Hello out there in podcast land and welcome to another totally awesome episode of the Pop Ninja Podcast. I'm Patrick Bennett coming to you from the swamplands of Southwest Louisiana and joining me over Zoom is my partner in crime, Miss Lisa Everett. Hey Lisa, how's it going? Hey Patrick, it's going good. Well today we have a couple of special guests joining us on the Pop Ninja Podcast Two cast members from the hit 70s Saturday morning TV series, The Secrets of Isis. We want to welcome Miss Joanna Pang and Mr. Brian Cutler. Hey, guys, how you doing? Howdy. Good. How's everybody? <laughs> Great. Thank you both so much for being our guest on the podcast today. Our pleasure. Yeah, uh, thank you for inviting us. Brian, uh, your IMDb filmography has so many listings on it. It looks like Al Capone's uh, rap sheet. <laughs> you appeared in just about every show that I loved in the 70s and 80s. That, that is so awesome. Just amazing. Well, I was very blessed. I, I've had a good run. I, I'm one of the few actors that I know that can say uh, I've been a working actor for 71 years this May, and I've never been out of work. That's awesome. Let, let me, uh, I'm going to read a list of some of these shows I'm talking about so that the listeners can uh, be totally amazed, all right? Uh, I've got uh, <laughs> Cannon, Emergency, The Bionic Woman, Charlie's Angels, Fantasy Island, Hardy Boys, Incredible Hulk, The Rockford Files, The, uh, the Sheriff Lobo Show, uh, Mork and Mindy, Quincy, The Fall Guy, and Night Rider. That, that's just a few of them, you know. Yeah. Well, don't forget the don't forget the Lucy show. I, I right, played Little right, right. That was that was a big thrill for me to get to work with Lucia Ball, and I I played Little Lucy's fiance. Ah, okay. Uh, yeah. So to work with Robin Williams and uh, Lucy Ball was really a, a thrill. That's so incredible. Lisa and I have talked uh, about many of these shows in our past uh, episodes. Uh, that's cool that you were in all those. Yeah, I've seen some of them. I've seen the Incredible Hulk show that he was on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, when I lose my hair. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Like I, did, I didn't think of that, you know. But uh, yeah, I've seen it. it. Not lately, I haven't <laughs> seen it, but I remember it. And I'm and and of course, I've I, I've seen you in the um, the Wilderness Family. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. That was I'm one of like my favorite a, movies I'm, too. I, I'm like a bad penny. I turn up everywhere. <laughs> 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 Uh, Joanna, uh, yes. you were in a few uh, TV shows, but I, I noticed you were also in several popular stage productions. I saw yeah. like, like The Music Man, The Crucible, West Side Story, South Pacific. The right. King yeah. Well, yeah. when I moved to New York, I really went to New York to really pursue theater. And I grew up doing theater uh, with uh, companies in San Francisco, in Bay Area. 
And uh, in New York, I did theater some, but I ended up doing more TV and commercials and modeling. Um, I feel very fortunate, like Brian, I was lucky enough to be doing a lot of things in the entertainment business between TV commercials and theater and modeling jobs um, so that I didn't have to take another job. Um, so many of my friends were working as um, waitresses to make extra money, but I felt very lucky because I was able to do a lot of different things um, still in entertainment. Uh, but yes, um, I guess West Side Story was actually one of my favorite shows to do. And a lot of musical theater people, they call it their bread and butter show. So my bread and butter show was South Pacific. And actually, Brian got to come and see me when I was uh, doing that in, in uh, Los Angeles. Yes, I did. Uh, yes, <laughs> he did. He came to see me. Um, but one really, really special show that I was in was Sayonara, and it was a musical version based on the movie. And what was so special about that one, it was the first time I was in a show from the very, very beginning where they hired about six people to do just a staged reading. And then after the staged reading, there was time off for rewrites and stuff, and then they hired maybe 25 Oh, 25 people or so to do a workshop. And then they did more rewriting, revising some new music. And then they did a multi-million dollar production of the show. And I got to participate in every single stage mm. of that production, which was really, really interesting to do. Wow, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. And also, uh, just because you talked about IMDB, I know that I have an IMDB imdb page but the only thing that i've ever done on that page is write a note and say they got some things wrong can you change <laughs> this i'm the real person so i never put it up i mean i'm i'm thrilled that it's there but um i never did anything with it except try to make it correct and i never did it so anyway <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, we're going to we're going to just dive in here and uh, ask you each some questions so the listeners can get to know you a little bit. And uh, Lisa, I've been talking way too much, so I'm going to let you uh, gab a little. So why don't you ask the first question? Oh, OK. Um, OK. Well, our first question is what what got you both into acting? So I don't know who wants to uh, Joanna wants to go first and lady, Brian. lady first. Lady <laughs> first. Yes. My dear lady first. Thank so, you, like, Brian. Yeah. So um, I actually started dancing when I was really, really young. I grew up at San Francisco Ballet. My mother taught there. She had her own ballet studio. So I really grew up in the ballet world. But when I was, I don't even remember particular age, um, I, I really loved the ballet, but I wanted to do something different. And so I went to my first uh, musical theater audition when I was pretty young. I hadn't done jazz class or anything like that, but with the ballet training, you can pick up other forms of dancing really, really well. So um, I went to a dance audition and I just fell in love with being in the theater. And so from that, that led to acting, uh, it led to modeling, it led to singing lessons. And uh, I still took my ballet classes and then I started auditioning for other things. Um, I got an agent. Along with that, I started doing some modeling. 
and um, just pursued everything in sort of entertainment, singing, dancing, acting, uh, modeling, and all of that. So I started really young. You were doing um, commercials too before you got into like ISIS and yes, I did. Shows? I did um, a lot of TV commercials. Um, my all-time favorite, I think, was I was in one of the very first Dr. Pepper commercials that was singing. I'm a pepper, you're a pepper. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So uh, that was really, really fun. My agent called me to go to the audition. And all he said was, they're looking for students who are going to be in the library. He didn't tell me that it's a dance audition. So I went to the audition. I had on, I, I remember this so clearly. I had on jeans. I had on a white shirt. Um, I think I had my hair in a ponytail. And I probably carried some books with me because that's what he said. I got to the dance audition. Every single girl in there was in dance clothes. And I thought, well, I can't go home and change. So I just have to do the audition like this. And I got hired right away. So nice. <laughs> it was great. Yeah. And that's a, it's interesting because that's a commercial I've never found on YouTube and I don't have a huh. Yeah, I was going to ask if it was on YouTube because I've seen your other commercials. Like I've seen yeah. the Dawn dishwashing liquid commercial with you in it. Oh, there's a Dawn dishwashing liquid. There's a banquet frozen fruit food. Um, oh, another one that was really interesting was for Singer Sewing Machine. Um, that was a really interesting commercial. They had, they hired about five girls. Um, they dressed us up very, very glamorous. And um, we were supposed to be able to sew. And I had taken a sewing class once, but I, I don't remember why. I just loved that commercial. They put me in this beautiful lime green dress. And when I went to the interview for, for that, they said, oh, they loved my long hair. And they were the first ones who put me in a short wig. So, <laughs> okay. Yeah, I went to I went to a lot of auditions. Oh, we love your long hair, and then they started putting me in wigs a lot, a lot of times. So I have short hair it, in a lot of commercials. Isn't that that's so funny? Because uh, Lynn Stallmaster was one of the big biggest casting directors in L.A. and I know Lynn, that name. Yeah. And and thank God Lynn liked me, so he cast me a lot. But he called me one day and he said, "Oh, uh, Dudley Moore's doing a movie called Holy Moses." And, uh, and you're just perfect for this role. You've got to do it. You're just perfect for it. And I got there and I'm, I'm uh, 6'3 and blonde. And I get there, they fit me in a, a blonde shoulder length, I mean a black, black shoulder length wig. And then they put me in a booth and spray painted me dark tan. Oh my because God. I, I was playing an Egyptian guard in the harem where where he's the where he's the eunuch but they had to have me for that job so you got that job you well, were in I the, did the job yeah but it, okay. i mean it's it's what joanna's saying oh i love your long hair i love yeah. your long hair and you get there and they put a short wig on <laughs> right here i'm right. here i'm a, a white guy with blonde hair and yes. they spray, sprayed me dark brown and put a black wig on me yeah what's but up they with that? But, but they had to have me right yeah. You were popular. People yeah. wanted you. I, I love Dudley Moore. I I never heard of that movie though. The the whole oh movie. yeah, the, yeah. Oh, it's it's hilarious. It's yeah. hilarious. I love him. I love Arthur. Yeah. Oh, he he died way too young. He, that yeah. was that was another very tragic young death in the entertainment business. Yeah. He was a wonderful guy. Yeah, I loved him too. I like Mickey and Maude. He was in that movie. Too. Oh yeah. 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 Sorry, oh, I, cool. I, I I interrupted. Sorry. No, no. no. 
it's just cool. You know, it's like, yeah. So what it, it, Joanna, like, and we also know that you got your husband in there too, somewhere. Um, Cause uh, he told us on his, his, uh, you know, podcast that we did with him about um, how he, how you, the two of you met. Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting story. Uh, well, we think it's interesting anyway. Uh, I mailed him a picture and resume. I was given two names and uh, my, my friend, this was actually just through a friend of mine. And she said, mail your picture and resume with a cover letter, either to this person or that person. It doesn't matter which one. I said, which one? She said, it doesn't matter. Pick a name. I picked Dick Atkins. I didn't know if he was young, if he was old, if he was, you know, very traditional. So I wrote this letter, Dear Mr. Atkins, I've heard about a project that you're beginning to work on and that you're starting to interview people. I would love to set up an appointment and hear about the project. And you can call my agent to set up an appointment or call my answering service. I would love to meet you. Uh, so anyway, he, he got the letter. He called my agent and then I guess I called him back or he called my answering service. Anyway, I called him back. We set up a meeting. I went to, um, actually it was Benton and Bowles. He was working for an advertising agency and the advertising agency had decided to form a small company where they would produce TV films for the um, companies that were uh, that they were advertising their products for like General Foods or Procter and Gamble. So they were in the very, very preliminary stages of um, they had the rights to this book Dynasty, not the dynasty from the TV days, but it was dynasty that took place in Hong Kong. And um, so we set up appointment. I went to his office to meet him. He kept me waiting for 20 minutes. Then he rushes out with his overcoat on and he says, I'm so sorry. The meeting I was in ran late and now I have a lunch meeting, but you can come to the lunch meeting. Please come to the lunch meeting with me. At least we'll have a chance to talk in the cab and then you, you have lunch with us. First I said, no, I didn't want to do that. And, and then finally he convinced me. I went to lunch with him. The two women he was meeting for lunch had done publicity on a show in, on a musical theater production that I had been in. So <laughs> I, I knew them. And so that, that was kind of fun. But after that meeting, um, I didn't see him for seven or eight months. However, at that time, actors in New York would send um, a postcard or a note to anybody that they met Two weeks later, oh, it was so great to meet you. Is anything going on with the project? Well, every time I sent him a postcard, he would call me and we would talk on the phone, like what's going on with the project? Nothing, what are you doing? It was always nice. So the last, this went on for quite a long time, every six weeks or every two and a half months or whatever, I sent him a card. The last card I sent him was just wanted to let you know I'm going on a cruise. I got a great job. I'm doing the first movie that's being sponsored by Showtime. It, it was like, this wasn't the name of it, but it was like Charlie Chan's widow and the number one daughter was like the movie. And they had some comedy uh, people on there and maybe it wasn't a great movie, but it was a great job. But anyway, <laughs> you know, yeah, you can't even find it. Showtime doesn't even recognize the fact that they did it. And, and that's another funny thing. Somebody looked for the movie. It was called Don't Miss the Boat. And there's some kind of animation thing actually on my IMDb page that is about Don't Miss the Boat. And it's about an animated fish. Something like that. Anyway, that's not the movie I was in. So um, 
he got that postcard. He called me and he said, oh, that sounds so exciting. I'd love to hear about it. So when you get back, we should go out for lunch. And so that's what happened. So um, I was out on the cruise. We filmed actually on the ship and then we filmed on different islands. We were in Puerto Rico, we were in St. Thomas and it was a really, really interesting job. And when I got back, I was thinking, gee, he's so nice or I, I should call him. Maybe we should have lunch or something. So I got back, I called him and we went out to lunch. That's kind of, whoa. Oh. Sorry. Somebody get a fire? Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I'm so who's, sorry. Whose who's house is that, Joanna? <laughs> yeah. That's a fire alarm going off. Is Dick baking some cookies? Yes. <laughs> We're not cookies, but he's cooking it. I'm so sorry. He got it off. That's okay. Well, tell Dick we said hi. Yeah. Patrick, yeah. please say hi. Yeah, tell, tell him I said hi too. Stop bringing him I said hi too. <laughs> he says hi to all of you and sorry to interrupt that. But, uh, so anyway, the, the end of the story is, is that um, like a, a year and a half later, so, so we had this lunch when I got back from this film. We had lunch and then we dated exclusively and uh, we got married. And then on our first Christmas together, he gave me the letter that I had written to him, dear Mr. Atkins. He had it framed in a beautiful silver frame. In oh, wow. Dear yeah. Joanna, you got the part, love Mr. Atkins. Aww. That's so sweet. I love that. That's the <laughs> yeah. best story, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah. So, Brian, can you top that? <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. I, okay. I, I can't top that. Oh. Well, Brian, yeah. what got you into acting? Uh, at five years old, I told my parents I wanted to be an actor. Wow. And they said, oh, you do? And uh, <clears throat> at that time, there was a calendar section in the LA Times, and they opened it up and found a, a repertory company here in LA called the Assistance League Playhouse that was having auditions. And uh, they said, if you want to act, let's see if you can. And they've all, they were always very supportive of my, uh, my goals and my aspirations. So I went and I auditioned and I got cast in a wonderful children's play called Once Upon a Clothesline. I think I think somebody should do it as uh, DreamWorks or somebody should do it as or Disney should do it as a Pixar as a full length feature cartoon. It's a beautiful story. Anyway, I was cast as a baby grasshopper and uh, worked with some of the best actors in L.A. And uh, fortunately for me, the woman that ran that company uh, was a name you may or may not know. Everybody in the uh, industry that knows anything about improv knows the name. And that's Viola Spolin. She's the woman who invented improv. And um, I, was work I worked with her. She was my artistic director and director from the age of five to 13. Wow. So, so, so you worked from five to 13 as a child actor? Uh-huh, in theater. In theater, wow. And then I started doing uh, old black and white TV, which you guys don't remember unless you've seen it on TCM. YouTube. TCM, no, TCM yeah. classic, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, so I started doing uh, TV, uh, you know, uh, shows and commercials in black and white. 
and uh, there you go. Wow. That's what, awesome. was the, what was the first TV show you worked on? First TV show I worked on, probably Leave it to Beaver or, <laughs> uh, the, or the Donna Reed show, one of the two. Okay. I always wanted to work on Ozzy and Harriet, but I, I never got the opportunity to do that. I knew Ricky Nelson real well because I grew up with his, uh, his wife, Christy Harmon, who is Mark Harmon's sister. Oh, okay. Yeah, Mark Harmon's married to Mindy from Mark and Mindy, Pam Dauber. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. And then you, yeah, so there's like all these uh, six degrees of separation from you and, and and every single person that's in the movie industry, yeah, I guess. Just about. <laughs> yeah. 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 Kevin Bacon was one right. degree, one degree, I think. Yeah. It's true. Kevin Bacon was right. It's true. Six degrees or less. Yeah. That's awesome. What, 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 what did your, what were, did your parents do? Were they in the, um, like the acting absolutely like did... not okay. my mom my mom at the time was a stay-at-home mom and my dad had his own uh uh business and no they were just hard working folk okay i just it, it, did you have brothers and sisters did they they do I, had acting? An, I had an older sister who passed away four years ago uh and she was a wonderful chanteuse she was a great uh, pianist and jazz singer uh, and uh, my little sister was uh, quite a uh, uh, star. She uh, did a lot of Broadway and off-Broadway stuff. She did the revival of, uh, of uh, My Fair Lady with uh, Noel Harrison's, I mean, with Rex Harrison's son, Noel, and she did the revival of Carousel. She did the revival of, uh, she, she's, she was doing great. Uh, Anthony Newley wanted her to, uh, go on the road with her and she was pregnant at the time and said, no, I have to have my baby and that's, and be a mommy. And he said, I'll hire a uh, full-time nurse and nanny to travel with us. She said, no, I just want to be a mommy. And she walked away from an incredible career. She, uh, she's a beautiful, beautiful singer and a wonderful, wonderful human being. Yeah. Now, did your, your, your wife, was she in um, the entertainment industry what, at all? What, uh, which wife? Um, the, the one, <laughs> which one? I, okay, I only thought there was one, but um, the, the, is your wife's name Jill? Is that... my, my, well, she's not my wife anymore. Oh, okay. Because uh, I thought, yeah. I read that, um, that Joanna Pang had lived with you and your wife when um, you, they were filming ISIS, and that's who I thought was still your wife, so sorry. No, that's, that. no, that's okay. It doesn't, it <laughs> yeah. doesn't bother me. Okay. No, uh, you're talking about my first wife, and my first wife uh, knew Joanna. And Joanna, yeah. when we did when we did the weekend thing last weekend, the uh, superhero thing, uh, Andy Mangle shows some pictures. Uh, Joanna had some pictures of uh, of uh, shots on the set and that sort of thing. And then one another picture popped up in front of my house in North Hollywood, and it was uh, Joanna hugging my first wife hugging me and I was hugging my little sister Lisa. Oh, oh. I, I, I don't know how Joanna or who took the picture or anything. <laughs> I, uh, I don't, I didn't even remember. I even said to Andy, where did you get that picture? And he said, from your scrapbook. So uh, <laughs> I came home and looked in my scrapbook and Brian, I copied it and sent it to you. But yeah. um, 
Brian and I were such good friends that when we weren't shooting and we had free weekends, I would go visit him with, with his wife and the kids. And, and I said this the other day, I remember being there one weekend and I had some kind of tool in my hand and you were pulling up nails from carpet and I was helping you, but yeah, I, I didn't right, live yeah. with him, but I was, I hung yeah. out with him a lot. Oh, okay. Oh, oh, you hung out. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, we, we've been, uh, best, best buddies for, over 45 years i'm right. happy to say yeah it's awesome yeah yeah i when i met joanne i we fell in love immediately <laughs> that's right that's right yeah now what did i always was wondering like did you guys was it confusing having two joannas on the same show like you know joanna cameron joanna pang like did they get confused you no know? no no okay did joanna cameron go by joanna back then because i know she, now she people call her patricia or they call, or she goes by the Andy isn't her nickname for Andrea Thomas. No, so, she, she, as far as I know, she always went by Joanna on, on the show. Okay. Yeah, that's what I remember too. Yeah. Um, well, I just thought, I, I never, just think it's funny because it's not a common, common name. You know, it's like, not like Lisa. <laughs> you know, it's like everybody I knew back, in the, you know, it was named Lisa because of uh, Lisa Marie Presley was my age, you know, so like I had like 10 Lisas in my class. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> but um, yeah, but Joanna is like not a common. Yeah, no, it, it isn't so common with the A on the end, but I think occasionally she might have been called JC. I might have been called JP, but I don't remember uh, there ever being um, any mix up. Okay. Yeah. We always knew who they were talking to. <laughs> okay. <laughs> hey, Brian, I've got a uh, question. I really want to know uh, the answer. Uh, out of all the TV shows you've done, do you have a favorite that you worked on? Uh, uh, outside of ISIS? You yeah, mean? yeah. That long yeah. list I was reading. Well, was yeah. ISIS your favorite? Uh, oh, I, I, I love doing ISIS. I mean, we, we, uh, we worked our butts off. We shot two full episodes a week. We were on a six-day shooting schedule because we were considered a location uh, company, so they could work us seven, uh, six days a week with Sunday off. Um, and uh, it, I love doing that show. Yeah, uh, but probably the most favorite show I did was well, two actually. The two-hour uh, movie that I did with Bill Bixby on The Incredible Hulk got to work with Bill. And you talk about uh, Lisa. You talk about six degrees of separation. Yeah. I went all I went all through school with the gal Brenda Benet that Bill Bixby married. Ah. <laughs> so, so married. The episode that I did, uh, the two-hour episode, was turned into a feature film that was released in Europe and in the United Kingdom. And uh, that was a thrill to work on. That was a six-week shoot, which is always lovely. Uh, and then the other show with uh, a star that was one of the most gracious people I've ever worked with was Lee Majors when I, I guest starred a couple times on Fall Guy. And, uh, yeah. And, and uh, yeah, Patrick loves him. Um, but did you do Six Million Dollar Man too? Because like he'll have a... He did Bionic yeah. Woman. He did Bionic yeah, Woman. Okay. I did Bionic Woman. Uh, well, the, the thing about Lee was that, that uh, just made me love him even more. I'd always liked him, liked his work. Uh, but uh, the lovely thing about growing up in the industry is you you see a lot of people and admire a lot of people and respect a lot of people. And then if you're lucky and blessed, you get to work with those people. 
And uh, in my case, I've been blessed to work with a lot of people that I had always admired and really respected as actors. And when I got to the set, all of my dialogue on the first couple of days of shooting was with Lee. And um, uh, I guess he wasn't uh, feeling well. And so I went to my trailer and he had a honey wagon that you would die for. I mean, all four of us could live in it and never see each other. Uh, and uh, it was quite elaborate. And the first AD came over to my trailer and knocked on the door. And he said, uh, Mr. Cutler. And I said, that Mr. Cutler's my father. I'm Brian. Mm -hmm. And uh, he said, uh, Mr. Majors would like uh, for you to come to his trailer. And I said, oh, sure. So I walked across the back lot and went to his trailer. And I walked in and, and I said, Mr. Majors. He said, no, it's Lee. I said, well, how do you do, Lee? I'm Brian. He said, uh, could we just run lines? We had a lot of dialogue. I was an attorney. I was representing uh, Kathy Crosby, Bing Crosby's granddaughter. And uh, we had a lot of dialogue to do. And he said, I'm just not feeling well today. Uh, can we just run lines? And he had a chef in his trailer and he fixed us, fixed us breakfast. And uh, we just sat there for a couple hours, just not acting, not doing any stuff. Just the way I teach acting at my studio. Don't act, just be. Uh, Lawrence Olivier's favorite words, but we just sat there and ran dialogue. And then when we shot at the end of the week, uh, <laughs> he came up to me and he said, thanks for making my week so easy. And for a superstar to do that kind of thing is really sort of mind blowing, you know, it just, so that's probably my, my most uh, memorable and favorite outside of the Hulk. I love nice. that story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it blew my mind. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I'll tell you, you want another story? I'll give you another story. Yeah. Go ahead. Every, yeah. Everybody talks about, you know, two of the greatest uh, female performers of all time. That's Barbara Streisand and how difficult she is. And a guy that I, another six degrees of separation, a guy that I went all through college with was her first violinist for years. And the first thing I asked him when he started working, is she difficult? He said, absolutely not. And then I was uh, hired to work with um, with Lucille Ball, and I heard, you know, you hear horror stories about some of these people. And so uh, uh, she and Gary Morton, who was her husband, had a home on the Paramount lot. They had a five bedroom home on the lot. So if they didn't want to drive home to Bel, Bel Air, if they shot real late at night, uh, we could they could uh, stay in their home. And so uh, we met. Uh, in uh, the dining room of their home and the entire crew, I mean, cast was there. Everybody had a special seat at the table and Gary and uh, Lucille Ball were not there yet. And I got there and I guess the new kid on the block had to sit on the right hand side of Miss Ball. So there was an empty chair at the end of the table and uh, it was an 8 a.m. call and uh, I got there early because uh, 15 minutes early is on time for me. And uh, I got there and they said, oh, Brian, you go sit over there. And I sat there and I watched everybody else. Everybody had a script in front of them, but nobody was looking at it. So you, you learn to pick up clues real fast if you have a brain in this business. So I didn't touch my script either. And eight o'clock came and went and Lucy wasn't there. And, and uh, 8.15 came and went. And Lucy wasn't there. And this went on until about nine o'clock and Lucy still wasn't there. 
and they had a chef there that cooked breakfast for everybody. And it was really, and everybody was chatting about what they were doing and how the show was growing and so forth and so forth. And at a little after nine, Miss Ball, who I've heard, you know, some horror stories about, walks into the dining room. Everybody gets up and uh, greets her. And she walks around the table over to me. And she says, Mr. Cutler, excuse my tardiness. It will never happen again. Uh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, every horror story that I ever heard went right down the toilet <laughs> because not one of them was true. Now, was she a perfectionist? Yes. Did she know everything about the set? Yes. She and Desi invented the three camera show. Uh, it was their concept. They owned everything they ever did. They were really great business people. But as far as uh, knowing everything she wanted on the set, absolutely. But being wonderful, open, gracious, friendly, helpful, you couldn't ask for a better, a better person to work with. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, I got a million of them. But I'll you, let you, you need to write. You need to write I'll, a book too. <laughs> yeah. You know, I I've had people tell me that for years because what I used to do, uh, the Republic Old Republic yacht lot used to be a bicycle distance from my house. And, and my buddies and I used to ride our bikes there and watch John Wayne shoot movies. Wow. So, so I could I could write a book and I should write a book, except I'm too lazy to write a book. But I, I had somebody the other day tell me, well, why don't you just tell the stories and have somebody tape it all and let them write the book? Well, yeah, they do that. That's awesome. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's the way to do it. I wouldn't want to be the one typing out a book. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, yeah. I'd be in serious trouble because I don't type. Yeah. Well, I mean, record it. Let somebody else type it up. You know, it's yeah. like, yeah. 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 That's all your messages now. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I know I, Joanna Cameron uh, did something with John Wayne, too, because she was on a special with Bob Hope. And she, I have a picture of her with John Wayne. And she's got like an Indian like costume on. I don't know if you've you guys have seen it and she has her hair braided and, and that's that's actually where i think she met bob hope and then he put her in that movie um how to commit marriage I don't oh know. Yeah. yeah yeah so i mean i have a picture of joanna cameron with with um john wayne that's so, funny yeah <laughs> yeah so yeah you guys all get around yeah. you know for real hey, hey joanna i've got a question for you uh sure what was that one role that you auditioned for and wanted so bad, but you didn't get it? Do you have one like that? Oh, my goodness. Uh, <laughs> Which one? <laughs> you know what? So, so my, my mother always taught me because she was always with me when I was out auditioning and things like that. The, if you don't get a job, don't, don't dwell in the d disappointment, but move on to celebrate the jobs that you did get so i don't know if they're <laughs> oh well well maybe oh my goodness this just popped into my head <laughs> um when they were doing like a third or fourth remake of charlie's angels i had an audition for that oh <laughs> yeah that that was kind of exciting but i i didn't yeah. i didn't get that obviously yeah. oh. uh, that was one big one um but you auditioned for Charlie's Angels. That's pretty cool that you can say that. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't remember in like what time frame, but it was near when they were doing like 
wanting to do a remake of it with you know new people or new angels or something like that mm-hmm. um yeah so that, i guess that was one um i don't know i i don't really think of anything because if i didn't get a particular job the the disappointment lasts for the moment yeah. Um, yeah. You don't yeah. you don't dwell dwell in it because you have to get excited about the next audition you're going to or the next people you're going to be meeting uh, instead of dwelling on the disappointment of what you didn't get. Yeah. Um, you know, I can tell you that I was very disappointed that I didn't get the second season of ISIS. Uh, yeah. Which... Yeah, so was I. <laughs> so was I. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so, well, that that was one. Um, but it, but again, it, it's like you don't really have any control over it. Nope. Um, I had just assumed that I was going to be back doing the second season. And when I knew it was time for near time for it to be starting, I called my agent in California and I said, you know, what's going on? I haven't heard. He said, you know, let me make some calls and find out. Anyway, it's just the standard answer they give to all the give to people all the time when they want to make changes is that, oh, yes, we loved Joanna, but we're going in a different direction for the next Mm. season. And that's just a standard answer. And that's you just take it in and move on and go on to your next job. Yeah. You, know, you go, you go on an audition, you do your best, you commit the rest, and then walk out the door and forget about it. Right. That's yeah. right. Because right. if you don't, if you don't, you drive yourself nuts. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. You, you just, you just move on. Um, yeah. Well, what about you, it. Brian? Did, did you have one that you like really, really wanted? Like, you know, that would have been your dream role and you just didn't get it? No, not really. You know, I, I've been so lucky and so blessed in my career. I've been around the world three times uh, performing. I, you know, I've, I, as you mentioned, I have a very substantial resume. I've done hundreds of national commercials. Uh, I, I wasn't one of those silly actors that said, oh, I don't do print work because print work pays very, very well. And once you establish yourself, you can make two or three thousand dollars a day. Uh, and I did that for a long time, too. Um, it's probably why God has punished me over the years, because I was the Raleigh Bel Air man and enticed a lot of people to smoke. So I'm paying <laughs> for it now. Oh, no, I, I've never smoked, but but I enticed a lot of people because to you smoke. did commercials for posters. I was a Raleigh Bell Airman for about 10 oh, years. Uh huh. I saw Joanna Cameron was like doing Marlboro commercials too. I didn't, I never know. I don't know if she actually smoked either in, in real, real life. I mean, I, just, I don't believe she did, but I just watched death wish with Charlie Bronson, the other, no, uh, no death wish or the mechanic, one of the two, I don't know. And, it, and Charlie Bronson is chasing somebody on a, on the subway mm-hmm. and he runs from one car into another car and right above him on the door is a, is a cigarette uh, ad. And it it's, was, me. It's, oh, you. it's me. It's <laughs> me. It's me on the poster. Nice. Oh, so do you, are you feeling like guilty for all the people that uh, started smoking <laughs> because they saw your ad? Is that, is that what you're saying? Probably, probably because everything we shot was at, uh, Pebble Beach, Carmel, uh, San Francisco. It was all beautiful, wonderful stuff. You know, mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, Larry King just died and I, yeah. I kept thinking about how he was a chain smoker. He said he even smoked in the shower and, yeah. and smoking never got up, got up with him, but COVID did, you know, yeah. so, you know, you can't, you know, don't, don't. Well, <laughs> but see, because of all the smoking, that's probably one of the reasons that COVID did. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's, that's what killed my older sister. She got mm. pancreatic cancer and died within 90 days, but she, she smoked three packs of cigarettes a day from the age of 12 on. Yeah. Well, Larry King had like a, a quadruple uh, like uh, bypasses and he right. had, he had lung cancer and he had two types of diabetes too. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. and he still was going and he had eight uh, marriages, you know, and five children. So, yeah. I mean, he's made it something, I don't who knows what, what, you know, he's, I thought he was immortal. He so. was, he was truly a Renaissance man. There's no question about that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, but um, I've got five, I've got five more marriages to go to catch up to him. Oh, well, you, you have time. <laughs> you know, speaking, like... <laughs> speak, speaking of Jill, she just walked into the studio and did some, some, little busy work and left so oh, oh okay she, she yeah. still she still works uh for me with me whatever so when did when, when did you get remarried like how, how long you've been are you like a newlywed now or, or no, no 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 oh. i'm i'm a i'll be divorced two years uh in february and but you're but you are okay you'll be divorced from from jail Okay, yeah. and then, but you, and you're remarried now. No, no, no. I am single as. The oh. Day of the <laughs> oh, okay. There, I'm, so, I was confused. So for any of you beautiful okay. women that are in, uh, in an aging old wine, oh. uh, okay. Keep me, in, keep me in mind. No, okay. I'm I'm single. Oh, okay. Well, that's, we that's can... called freedom. Well, you know, Patrick. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, my first two wives have have gone to the happy hunting ground. Uh, I had nothing to do with it. Uh, oh goodness! But but, uh, but they're they're gone. And uh, Jill and I were together uh, 23 years, and she helped me uh, put the studio together. I had it about five or six years before she came on board as a student. And I broke the cardinal rule. I dated a student. Oh. And uh, and we got married. And uh, she still works with me. We we still see each other. Uh, either on Zoom or at the studio at least three or four times a week. And uh, she's a good business partner. And uh, yeah, and she's gone on. She's a wonderful actor and a great acting coach. And so she's pursuing those uh, endeavors. And uh, I did a film last year. I did a lead in the film last year called Footsteps, which was doing really well in the uh, festival circuit until COVID hit. And uh -huh. uh, so uh, yeah, and I'm I'm uh, directing a project tomorrow, uh, a short film. Uh, so uh, you know, I just I stay busy. I like being busy, but the freedom part, uh, Patrick, is true. I've I've never been as free uh, or happier in my life, and more connected to my higher power than I am now. Amen. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> well, Joanna. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Who are some of your favorite actors that uh, inspired you? You have any that you look up to like that? Oh my goodness! Well, oh, don't tell him me because we know that. <laughs> I was just gonna say, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> well, I worked with um, 
and Margaret and Alan Delon a long, long time ago. And um, I, I think a lot of the theater people that I worked with were so fantastic. Uh, one in particular was Brandon Maggart. He's probably done every musical that you can think of. Um, and now he's writing books. He's writing about his past. He's done lots of TV shows. I'm, I'm trying to think of who else. Um, oh, I did a King and I production of the woman who was on Topper. And she was blonde, beautiful, very famous. I can't think of her name, but she was so wonderful and nice. And I still have gifts from her that she gave me. And that was really special. Her her first name was Anne, and she was married to Robert Sterling. Uh, yes. Anne, 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 Anne Sullivan, and something like that. That yes, Brian, you're right. We'd have to go look it up on IMDb. Yeah, she uh, was a, she was a love, and so was he. Right. Yeah. He and he was he was around a little bit, uh, not yeah. a lot, um, but yeah, they were both really really nice. Um, I got to travel uh, in South Pacific with Jane Powell and Howard Keel. And mm -hmm. they're, um, I mean, they're, you know, such famous people and they are so down to earth and so nice. And I remember Jane Powell had us all over at her house because one of the girls in the company got engaged and she gave like a bridal shower for her. Um, Howard Keel, had a beautiful wife that traveled with us, plus their little daughter. I have gifts from them. Um, it, it's just, um, it, to me, it was more, yes, about their talent, but it was about their manner, about their presence. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the biggest stars are not the nicest stars, but when you meet some of the biggest stars and they are so nice and so down to earth, that makes them even more special. Yeah, it sure does. Yeah, yeah. You talk about six degrees of separation. The first feature film I ever did, I was one of the Sweet Apple Kids in Bye Bye Birdie, which was Anne Margaret's oh, very yeah. first, yeah. very yeah. first movie. Yeah, I, I, I remember that so well. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I remember that production, and that movie featured her. And I just remember the screenshot of her singing one of the songs, and it was just a close-up of a big screenshot of her singing and dancing. Yeah, and Bye Bye Birdie, I remember that vision. Yeah, yeah. Oh, funny story with six degrees of separation. And I don't know that I've ever told this story other than to my husband. Um, I auditioned for one of the Friday the 13th movies. And Kevin Bacon, of course, was already cast in the movie. And when I was brought in for my audition, I actually did my audition with him. And it was, um, it was a little bit of a romantic scene. We were young, you know, teenagers. And, that's the first, uh, that's the first yeah, one. That's, the, that's first the very one. first one. And we had Adrienne King on here. She was the <laughs> lead to Friday the 13th. I'm friends, I'm friends with her in real life. So there's, yeah. So, so yeah, so that's really weird that you're saying yeah. that. <laughs> so, but actually in the audition, there was a scene where he was supposed to lean in and kiss me. And he actually did lean in and kiss me. So, so <laughs> that's my connection to Kevin Bacon. That's yeah. more than six degrees of that's separation. Right. Yeah. More than six degrees. That's right. It's like a hundred okay. degrees of heat. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, cooking bacon for breakfast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, Brian, what about you? Do you have some acting heroes in your career? Well, I have I have uh, acting people that I I mentioned earlier that I always admired and had the opportunity and the pleasure of working with uh, Jim Garner, uh, David Huddleston, and I did the most successful, most watched episode of Charlie's Angels. It was called Angels in Chains. I uh, saw Dr. that. Burton. Oh, I, I remember that one. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I remember it too. I, I play. I play Deputy Dan, who about three quarters of the way through the show, I save and rescue the girls, and about three quarters of the way through the show, I just vanish. Everybody always calls me and says, "What happened to Deputy Dan?" I say, "I don't know. He vanished." <laughs> uh, as far as actors, uh, you know, like that, Albert Salmi was a very dear friend of mine and a wonderful actor. Died very tragically a few years ago. Um, but uh, as far as actors that I really, really uh, admire, uh, I got to spend some time with one of them uh, just prior to COVID. I got to spend a few hours with, uh, with um, Morgan Freeman. And uh, he's somebody that I really respect and admire. Gene Hackman is another one. Um, you know, uh, some of the silent people that you don't, you, you say, oh, I know that guy, or I know that gal, who is that? You don't know their name, but, but they work all the time. Uh, I, I ask my actors at the studio all the time, what do you want to be an actor, a working actor, a movie star? And what most people say is a movie star, but what my, all my actors say is I want to be a working actor. And, uh, yeah. and that's what I've been blessed enough to be. I'm an actor, I'm a singer, I'm a musician. Um, I used to play banjo and upright bass and guitar. Uh, I took over as uh, the lead singer in the new Christy Minstrels and went around the world doing that. Uh, I'm not a dancer, but I, I move well and I have good rhythm. And I've worked with some choreographers that made me look like a dancer. So uh, I don't know. I, I just uh, have been very, very blessed. I'm filled with gratitude that I've been able to have the wonderful career that I have and and uh, remain friends with lovely, lovely people like Joanna Pang Atkins. <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, uh, it, it's, uh, it's a dog-eat-dog -dog industry if you treat it that way, but if you realize that you're not in competition with anybody but yourself, then it makes the, the road much easier to travel. I, I love that that comment, Brian, that you're not really in competition with anyone else. You're nope. absolutely right. And you just go in and you do your best. And yep. that's why when you say what, you know, what are your biggest disappointments? It's that, you know, well, you didn't get the job, but you did your best that you could. And, you know, yes. you'll, you maybe you'll get the next one or you hope you'll get the next one. And yep. you have yep. more auditions to go to. So, yep. yeah, that's true. Absolutely true. And, and, if you're, and if you're only in competition with yourself, and you don't get an audition and you beat yourself up, then you're serving an evil master. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, right. so it, it's, uh, it, it depends on, you know, the philosophy that you're, you're, that's drilled into you. Uh, Viola Spolin taught us that. She said, take care of this business like a business and it'll take care of you the rest of your life. I remember her till I was five years old and I can still close my eyes and see all the actors in the green room with her telling us that. Mm -hmm. I tell all my actors that, that study with me. 
And fortunately, I've had a ton of actors working all through the pandemic. And I tell them that if you want to pursue this industry, you have to be a long distance runner, not a sprinter. You, yeah. can't, be a, you can't be a sprinter in this business. If you're not a long distance runner, then get out. Yeah, you got to be a turtle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's like the adage I used the other day. I said, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. That's, mm -hmm. that, that's, that's how you pursue your acting career, your dancing career, your singing career, whatever. But that's, that's the way you've got to do it. Right. That's good advice. Yeah. Well, and everybody today wants a quick fix. You know, I want to be, how many classes do I have to take before I become a star? Fuck. I, oh, excuse me. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's not and besides taking classes it's that you're learning from every job you get exactly. from every audition you go to you learn something also so you're continually learning right. well you know i think it would be really hard now like compared to when you when you both were like up and coming and, and doing stuff as opposed to now because the it seems like everything has got towards like reality tv and you know the, the 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 everything's CGI now too, and um, it seems like they they're phasing act actual acting out of um, movies. You no, know, they'll they'll never do that. You know that happened when uh, when Sean Connery did the voice of the dragon in that movie a few years ago. Uh -huh. um, everybody said, "Oh, actors are going to become obsolete." Actors will never become obsolete because you can't replace a human being. And the emotions that a human being expresses on film or on digital, it, it, it can't be done. Now, uh, well, what I, do you think of the quality, though, like the quality of the movies that they're making compared to like, you know, like because because one of the questions that I was going to ask you is like, what what's your favorite movie of all time? So oh, like, because I, uh, I keep going back in time to movies instead of forward myself, like with <laughs> well, but there there are a lot of a lot of wonderful movies still being made. It's just that, uh, uh, for example, I have an incredible screenplay about Emmett Till, uh, but most people don't even know who Emmett Till was, and it's it's so such a timely script to do now. But I had the the head writer uh, consultant at. Uh, Warner Brothers read it and say it's the best screenplay he's read in 25 years. I said, well, why won't you do it? And he said, well, it's not a Marvel thing and a, not a DC thing mm -hmm. and there are no car chases in it and stuff like that. Yeah. But I have a very good friend who just won an Oscar with Spike Lee that was a good friend of mine in Kansas City named Kevin Wilmot. And uh, Kevin's movies are all wonderful. They're all topical. They're all very timely. You know, Black Klansman is the movie that he got the Oscar for. That was a good movie. Uh, I saw it, yeah. And, mm -hmm. and if you look, there's a new movie that just came out that I just watched uh, yesterday, as a matter of fact, called Cutthroat City. Uh, it's, it's amazing. It's fabulous. You look at uh, um, uh, Regina King's uh, new directorial debut uh, on her film. There, there's a lot of really good film being made. Uh, unfortunately, in television on the regular channels and some cable channels, you're stuck with a lot of uh, reality TV. I have never seen a reality TV show and I never will because every reality TV show that's on the air takes work away from an, a working actor. So I refuse to watch them. But that, that all came about because 
uh, of the writers' strike uh, in the early 80s, not blaming the writers. They were right to strike. Uh, I am a unionist, so I, I believe in the union 110%. But when they went on strike, the producers who only care about what? What do producers care about? Money. Money. Money, money, money. And they thought, well, we don't need writers. We'll do reality TV. But if you look at all the cable stations that have opened up and you look at the films that uh, Netflix is making and Amazon Prime is making and and several of the other cable, those movies are are incredible. Yeah. You know, they, they just are. So you have to be very selective in what you watch and really, really check things out. But I think there's still a great deal of wonderful filmmaking that the film that uh, that Nicole Kidman just did for HBO Unbound. Right. The, it, it, you know, it's a mini series, but it. it oh, it's I think film. it's The Undoing, isn't oh, that? The Undoing, The Undoing. Yeah. That's right. I see so much stuff. I must watch 30 movies a week. So it yeah. because that, that's my business. You know, I want to yeah. know who I want to know who's working, who's directing, who's the best cinematographer, what's going on with what. My roommate is a wonderful screenwriter, and he's got a project we're going to shoot uh, in, a, in another month. And and he wants to be hands on, and 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 he's he's uh, he's he's wonderful. I mean, he writes eight to ten hours a day every day. I mean, that's what he does. You have a roommate? I have a roommate. Yeah, oh. he was with he was with the NBA for ten years as a trainer and a coach, and uh, got tired of that run rag race and uh said he wanted to be a writer so he came to uh, la and he's taken every writing course at ucla and every advanced writing course that you can and uh he works with a couple of uh showrunners that are uh mentoring him and he but he writes eight to ten hours a day every day wow he's wow. much more disciplined than i am <laughs> <laughs> that, that's amazing to be so disciplined to actually sit and write for those many hours. Well, he gets up in the morning and he goes and runs eight miles and he comes home and showers and cleans up and then he writes. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's disciplined. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Even just the running is the discipline. You know? Yeah, I, I, I laugh at him in the morning. I'm up doing my morning prayer and meditation and journaling and and he comes home all dripping and sweaty and I say, well, did we have a good run today? <laughs> because <laughs> that that's as far as my run's gonna go yeah yeah wow that's all hey it's not I, I, it's nice if you can go out and get some fresh air you know it's like right now you know it's like people are you know we're stuck inside all the time so well, they're in los angeles they have nice weather it's so yeah <laughs> that's what i mean like well, nice well like, every, everybody's here. in panic mode today we we might get rain for the next three days so people don't know what to do Oh, but it, over, never, over, it, it over, never rains in Southern California. <laughs> yeah, over the last couple of weeks, so it's been in the low 80s, crystal clear and sunny every day. It's been absolutely gorgeous. Oh, nice. Did were you anywhere near where the um where the fires were, the bad fires in California? Oh, there were some just over the hill from where I live. I live in the foothills in Burbank, uh -huh. and uh, there were you could see the flames jumping over the top of the mountains. But they didn't come down to the uh, valley side of of, uh, of Burbank. But uh, some, my sister was. She lives out in what they call West Hills, uh, and the fires got very close to her place. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just it's California. What are you gonna yeah. do? 
I know. Well, they got them out though, right? They're, they're... Oh yeah, yeah. Fortunately, they're out now. But you know, in the summer, it, it becomes a tinderbox out here. Yeah, but that's because they don't sweep the, the floors. Yeah, they don't sweep the leaves in the forest. That's yeah. that's why. Yeah. You yeah. need to get on we, that. Yeah. We need, we need a giant vacuum cleaner from God yeah. and let God vacuum up all the leaves. That's right. I'll, I'll call. I'll call immensely long distance tonight and see if I can arrange that. Okay. Yeah, you need uh, like yeah, like a central vac system all yeah. around California. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. well, well, Joanna, I understand that you have a, a acting. I mean, a, a dancing school. Well, actually, I don't have a school, but what I I'm a teaching artist and I go into schools. I go, oh, okay. I go to a new school every two weeks. Well, not now because of the pandemic. Right. But um, actually, that was my choice. Um, my mother always just assumed that I would stay in California and probably take over her dance studio. But then I left to, to travel around the world with a dance company. And then I went to New York and then I went back to Los Angeles. Um, but I never really wanted a school of my own. I love what I'm doing now because I go into school for two weeks. Um, I'm a special guest. I'm a teaching artist. And the school assigns me so many different grade levels. Each uh, class learns a dance from a different country. They learn about the culture, the tradition, the music, traditional dress, a little bit about the language. And um, they learn a traditional dance representing that country. And then at the end of my residency, they will wear costumes that I bring for them that represent the country. And uh, they will perform for the school and then probably have a performance for the community or have a second performance for parents and family, of course. Um, but that's what I do. It's really, really special. And it's not just about dance steps. Yes, they have to learn their dance, but it's more about introducing them to different cultures, different people, diff the differences, and how we're really all the same, and to be more accepting of everything and everyone, and also to see them grow. They grow in tremendous amount of confidence. You get on mm -hmm. stage, some of them are so worried about standing on stage and being in a spotlight, but they just grow and grow and grow and learn to work together, and then they blossom. It's really, really wonderful. The residency is all-inclusive. Um, I've had children dance with me that are in wheelchairs. I've had, um, over the course of the years, I've had a couple of blind children that have danced with me and did not want their aides to walk them on, walk them on the stage. So either they had a partner or some, somehow we worked it out. And um, it's been wonderful. And I love being in a school situation. I have the support of the staff, the principal. I'm always working with a teacher. And um, I, I just love it. It's great. But like a lot of, now, lot of fun. now I'm not in school because schools are shut down or they're all virtual. I did one big Zoom residency, which was really fantastic. The school was celebrating 10 years of world dance with me. And um, the principal called and said, we are not giving up this celebration. So we did everything on Zoom. Uh, the kids responded tremendously. And for their final presentation, over 400 people signed in to see the performance in their little boxes, wow. but it was still really, really nice. That's they all had their speeches memorized for introductions and all of that. 
I, I'm gonna I'm gonna butt in and say that I haven't seen any of her of Joanna's performances of her school kids uh, in person, but I have seen their stuff online. Yeah. And, and the work that she does is really, really amazing and and uh, fun to watch. So oh, thank you. Kudos to you, kiddo. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. I don't so, know how you work that amazing. out with the school system. I've been trying to do some some training in schools and I tried in Kansas City for several years when I was living there and I've tried ever since I've been back in LA and they just are not uh, recept receiving that at all. Well, arts education in on the East Coast, New York, New Jersey and surrounding areas um, are very into arts education. Mm. I work through a cultural arts organization. I was a state teaching artist for a couple of years. Um, I worked for NJ Pack, which is a huge uh, performing arts center and a huge arts education um, um, development program in New Jersey. And mm. uh, it's the, the schools are open to it here. That's great. Now with the pandemic, I hope that we get back to that because I've done one school since last March. But now that the vaccines are coming and schools are opening up a little bit, I hope we get back to that. You will. You will. Yeah. yeah. yeah you would think, and, uh, sorry, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, no, I was just <laughs> going to say what's been particularly rewarding to me is that so many schools are schools that have me back year after year. This last school that I did was celebrating 10 years, but I had a 20 year anniversary with another school just before the pandemic hit. And uh, it's been going on. I've been doing this for a really long time. Uh, a couple of years ago, I was at a school and there were four teachers at that school who had been my students when they were in third and fourth grade. Wow. And um, so when that happened, well, the good thing about it was that every single one of them remembered the country they represented, something about the dance, something about the flag, or if they had a speaking part. Um, the bad thing about it was, and really wasn't so bad, I guess, I came home and I said to my husband, can you believe that I now have teachers that were my students? I must be so old. <laughs> the best thing about my husband is that he said, no, not old, just very memorable. So that, that's been really nice. And, and so many of my schools, it's become a tradition and they have me back year, year after year. So it's been really nice. Yeah. That's great. That's as it should be. You're wonderful. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I try to be in really encouraging to the kids. I just want them to have fun. I want it to be positive. I want it to be a great memory for them. So. Well, Brian, you mentioned a couple of times you have an acting studio. Can you tell us a little bit about, about that, what you do? No. Okay, yeah. <laughs> let's move on. <laughs> yeah, I'd be happy to. Uh, I've been, uh, I've been, I've been teaching acting for 30 years. Uh, I have a very boutique style studio in uh, beautiful downtown Burbank. Uh, the reason I don't have a large studio is uh, if you have 30 or 40 people in a class, they don't have the chance to work uh, every single class. Uh, everything we do is on camera because my uh, coach and mentor and the man who became a very, very dear close friend of mine for 40 years, Charles Eric Conrad, who used to say that learning to act for the camera without a camera is like learning to ride a horse without a horse. Hmm. So 
you would think that uh, there are, and this may shock you, but there are 658 acting studios in LA. Um, my, the ad agency that I hired to do a new website and some branding for me just to reconfirm that. Uh, out of the 658, I would say probably 650 of them at least should not be in business uh, because they're ripping people off. They, they lied to them. They don't do what they should. They don't teach them about the business. They don't teach them about protocol. They don't teach them how to uh, maintain a positive attitude. Um, so we do all that stuff at our studio. We, we uh, have an incredible setup here. We have state-of-the-art cameras that shoot at 24 frames a second at 1080p, just like film. We have a black magic edit uh, booth. We edit on the fly. We shoot uh, two cameras at a time. ECU, extreme close-up. At the end of class, we look at finished, edited, broadcast quality film work. And uh, people that are studying with us can use it on their website. They can send it to their agent. They can put it on YouTube. They can do whatever they want with them. We give them copies for free. Um, our studio is uh, based on uh, the Conrad process, which is nothing to do with the uh, method Nothing to do with a little bit to do with Meisner because Charles Conrad was Meisner's, Sandy Meisner's uh, protege in New York for many years and then moved to California. Uh, so uh, we have a very special, unique uh, thing here. Uh, no more than 14 people in a class. Everybody memorizes at least, uh, gosh, two or three pieces of material a week. And, and all that does is prepare them for when they get in the real world, because as Joanna and I were talking on this uh, superhero thing we did last weekend, we shot two complete episodes of the Secrets of ISIS a week, which means we were memorizing somewhere between 60 and 80 pages of dialogue a week. Uh, people always go, oh my God, how do you do it? Well, you do it one page at a time. Uh, but if you're not trained to do that, when somebody hands you a monologue to do or something, you your brain goes into panic mode because you're not, you're not uh, programmed to, to do that. So uh, as I said earlier, alluded to, I've, during, the, during the pandemic, I've got a couple of people that have probably done two or 300 voiceover jobs, uh, probably dubbed three or four or five or more feature films from um, Turkish to Spanish, uh, Turkish to English, Turkish, I mean, uh, and then I've got a young actor who's really coming up, uh, who has already starred in a Showtime uh, movie and co-starred in another movie during the pandemic. Uh, my actors are working actors and that's, that's what I want. I want. I want to train working actors and I, I uh, if they're mature, I'll let uh, 13 and 14 year olds come into the adult class I teach uh, Tuesday night and Thursday night and Wednesday morning. Um, Zoom really, uh, I was skeptical about Zoom, but when we went, uh, first day of the pandemic, went into the Zoom mode, uh, I've expanded my business across the entire United States. I have students in New York, uh, students in West Virginia, students in Memphis, Nashville, Sacramento, all through Texas, uh, and uh, Fortunately, for a few months, we even had a student in Ireland and one in London. So the, uh, the whole studio thing has been um, 
as you know, it's like Joanna, I love teaching. I love taking somebody, even if it's somebody that uh, has been a successful actor and says, I'm just not hitting. I don't know why. I go on audition after audition. I'm just not hitting. I say, well, let's figure out what's not working and fix that. And I had an example of an actor that uh, studied here. He'd been a working actor. I mean, a pretty, pretty working actor. You know, if you guest star in four or five shows a year, that that's pretty darn good in this uh, in the industry today. And he wasn't hitting at all and studied with me for about two and a half years. And he's done guest star work on almost every major show in the last year and a half. So I'd like to think I might have something to do with that. I don't know. Maybe I don't. It's so great to be a teacher and to see your students grow. Right? Nothing more rewarding. Nothing yeah. more rewarding. Very rewarding. So how do people take your class? Like, um, you know, like, is it, is it just like one, one day at a time or is it like a couple weeks at a, you know, like how do they, how does it work that? All, all my classes are set up in four week cycles. So they meet one night a week or one morning a week for four weeks and the classes are ongoing. And so by that, I mean, uh, I'll start somebody off with a very simple, maybe a three page piece. And by the time they're here for a while, they'll end up doing maybe a seven or eight or nine page piece. Um, I have students that have been with me since uh, 1999 that wow. are still with me. Uh, and uh, so, uh, yeah, so, and, and we're probably the most reasonably priced acting studio in LA. Some people charge six, seven, eight hundred, twelve hundred dollars a month. I think that's uh, unconscionable. Uh, our our classes are only two hundred and fifty dollars for a four week cycle, and uh, they get copies of all their work. They get counseling. They get uh, business advice. They get everything I can do to help. And I don't want actors to repeat my mistakes. I want actors to make their own new mistakes. So. You know, I've been in the business a long time. I think I have an idea of how it works. That's cool. uh, you know, don't repeat my mistakes. Listen to me and make new ones. That's all. <laughs> That's really cool because you you have um, a Facebook page that people can contact you through, right? Through to get oh yeah, to yeah, take, yeah. I have a to sign up for your class. And and the other thing that makes our studio unique is the, what I said earlier. No one's in competition with anybody. So we have our own chat. We have our own studio chat room. And so when anybody finds out an bit about an audition, they'll let everybody else know. And when people find out about a project, like we put out an open call for the project we're shooting tomorrow, and I got a uh, crew and uh, people uh, doing uh, PA work and uh, uh, script consultant work and stuff that are all part of the studio just to be part of the project we're working on. So. Uh, yeah, I have, I have, uh, you know, a website that people can get to. It's still up and going. Uh, Brian at actorstudio.com. And, uh, you know, I'm available to, to help anybody that needs some advice or counseling. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm there. I'm there to help because I had people do that for me as I was coming up and I just want to pay it forward. Cool. That's awesome. Yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah. That is awesome. That's great, Brian. Yeah. No, I, I love it. You know, I you've heard me say this before. I I've never had a job in my life. Yeah, I, I you know, know. 
I've never, I've never, as far as I'm concerned, I've never worked. So you never, you never were waitressing. <laughs> I've never had to do anything but act, sing, play an instrument, or learn how to do a dance from a good choreographer. That's all I've ever done. That's awesome. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, we're getting to know you a little bit outside of the realm of ISIS, but a lot of people listening is going to probably want to know about ISIS. So uh, let's talk just a little bit about that. Uh, sure. Lisa, Lisa, you want to go ahead and ask them some questions? Okay. Well, um, yeah, yeah, we did talk about it a little bit through here. So, um, yeah, we're going to have to get like back on track on, on which, what, okay. So, um, um, okay. How did your involvement in the series come about? in ISIS, both of you. Like, how Joanna, you go ahead. All right, so uh, I was doing an off-Broadway musical and in the audience was a producer director of a CBS show called Patchwork Family. And Patchwork Family was a really um, fun Saturday morning show. It was hosted by a woman named Carol Corbett and a puppet named Rags. And they had members of the family and they had um, a, a, a science segment, um, a plant and garden segment, a math segment. It was on at seven o'clock in the morning. But anyway, after the after the performance, the his name was Bill Bryant. He sent a note backstage and said that he would like to meet me. And so I went out to meet him after the show. Uh, we set up a meeting. I went to the studio. I met him and he hired me to be a member of the family. And my segment was music and dance. So it's so funny because a lot of the TV stuff I've done has been for children. And this was a Saturday morning CBS show. And um, then I got a call from my agent that said, Alan Duchovny, he was head of children's programming for CBS on the East Coast. And so they set up a meeting. I went to meet him and he said they are starting uh, casting for a show in California called ISIS. And I said this story before because it's so funny. I even laugh at myself for thinking this. In my diary appointment book, I have ISIS, I-C-E-S. Italian ISIS were sold on the street corners of New York. And I thought that the children's show was something about the Italian ISIS, maybe selling them on the streets or maybe teenagers stealing them or giving them away, something like that. So I had no idea that it was about an Egyptian goddess. But anyway, so I went, I went to meet um, this Mr. Duchovny. Uh, he said that he had seen me on Patrick Family. They had been watching me and that they're interested in me flying out to California and meeting the people who are casting this show about an Egyptian goddess. So that is superhero. So um, it all happened really, really fast. So you were I, totally I, confused then, right? Yeah, I thought, oh, an Egyptian <laughs> goddess? Okay. So, but anyway, it was exciting. I, like, it was like two days later, they flew me out there. Um, I had an agent in California already. Agent picked me up. I stayed with him and his family. And the next day I went, he took me to the audition. I went in. I, I don't even remember who was there, but it must have been Lou Scheimer and, and Norm Prescott. And there were a couple of people in there. And I talked to them. Maybe they had me do a scene. I don't even remember. I was in there for maybe 10 or 15 minutes and I left. I, I didn't leave. I went out. I was talking to my agent. And within five minutes, they came out and said, you have the part. So it all happened really, really fast. Um, 
I flew back to New York. I, I packed up a suitcase and was back out there in like two weeks and started shooting right away. Yeah. So it was fun, exciting and very fast. Well, who did, did you stay with somebody when you were, cause that, that did seem fast. Did you, where did you live when you were doing ISIS? Uh, well, when I, when I first went out there, I stayed with my agent and he had a big house. I stayed there, but then right away, um, I don't remember how, but it was either somebody uh, on crew or uh, maybe my agent helped me, but they, they helped me find an apartment. Um, so I rented an apartment in Studio City and, um, my mother flew down all the time to see me and uh, my brother, uh, my brother was actually living in Hawaii then because I just think of him always around because he was, he lives near Los Angeles now. Um, but yeah, so I, I just sort of moved out there and was there for quite a few months. Yeah, I, I forgot about your brother and you were both on um, the Lawrence Welk show, right? Like you, yeah. you, you were, the, you went, you went and toured with them, right? You were the well, young we, couple? No, well, couple. we didn't, we didn't tour with them. What happened is that my brother and I, we, we were invited to be on a show that was like American Bandstand, but it was a, it was a show that just played in certain cities in California. It was also CBS as a matter of fact, but it was a local station. And um, in a round, in a roundabout way through friends, friend of my brother's was taking these ballroom dance lessons and so he invited my brother to go and said, well, you, you dance, you'll probably really like it. But we hadn't done any ballroom and, and I was too young. They wouldn't let me take the class, but I was upset and I would go and I would watch the class. And finally they said, well, okay, you can take the class. And uh, then they had my brother and I started demonstrating because we danced. And then uh, we were invited to be on this TV show for one guest appearance. They were introducing uh, a new record i can't remember even what it was and they asked us to do a dance demonstration to it so we did that and that one segment generated so much fan mail that the producers asked us to be regulars on the show but when they found out that i was very young you were supposed to be 13 and i wasn't even 13 and i think my brother was just 13 um they had to make it was a big deal about them letting me be on the show but they wanted to be regulars and Anyway, so it's getting to be a long story. Lawrence Welk toured with um, the Lennon sisters, with um, the accordion lady and with his group of musicians. They came to California and somehow we, my brother and I were invited to do a dance segment on his big stage show. Lawrence Welk didn't know that we were on this TV show and that we got fan mail all the time. So when we came out to dance, the audience went wild. Lawrence Welk was so excited about this that he then invited us to do another few couple of shows with him. And then he invited us to Los Angeles to be on his TV show. So we flew down, my mother was with us, of course, because we were really young, and we did the uh, dance segment on his show. At the time, he had two big hits on the pop radio stations. And uh, so that was my grandmother's favorite show. And that, she loved that. Of everything I've done, probably including ISIS, but she did like seeing me every Saturday morning on TV. Uh, my brother and I on the Lawrence Welk show was her all-time favorite. Um, 
this was before Bobby and Barbara became the dance team on Lawrence Welk. They were much older than us. And Lawrence Welk decided that he could not invite us to move to Los Angeles, uproot our family to be on his show regularly. So we had one guest spot in the show, which was a lot of fun. Yeah. And yeah, the yeah. Lennon sisters, um, I became a little friendly with them because they were in an all girls Catholic school. And so was I, and we were taught by the same order of nuns. So that was kind of sort of Gosh. interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. That's awesome. Yeah. That's so cool. It, it was fun. It was fun. That, that actually, that show was, um, my brother, my brother and I had the first little taste of celebrity because we got a ton of fan mail. And at that time they were still doing record hops where musicians would come and they would perform. They would talk about their new record. And, and we were always guests at these huge record hops. And um, it, it was really interesting. And as a result of that, we did go back and forth to Los Angeles for some of the other shows where we were guests on. but. It's, it's, it's a memory from our, you know, early, well, my brother was just a teenager just before my teen years. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. My grandma loved Lawrence Welk too. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> it's still on. Yeah. Yeah. Do, do you, do you have that episode that you guys were on? Uh, did you have it? Is it on YouTube anywhere? Or no, we haven't been able to find it. And, and oh. my brother's wife, my sister-in-law, um, she loves to do lots of research. So she actually found out that what the number of the show was, but hasn't been able to find it. Yeah. You know, hasn't been able to find it anywhere. So. Well, I hope you find it because yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah, yeah. So, what about Brian? What? How did you get involved in ISIS? I'll tell you, wonderful, wonderful, and a one, and a two, <laughs> nice, and a Brian. Three. One, a two, or three. Yeah, hey, Brian, we can't uh, see you conducting. Do the tiny bubbles. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Is that uh, let's see, ISIS. Uh, I was uh, brought in. I was doing a lot of guest star work, and Lou and Norm brought me in for a meeting. Uh, I didn't read. They just said, uh, here's the premise of the show. How do you feel about it? Would you like to do it? And I, I just, I don't even know if they saw anybody else. I was cast, uh, first person cast in the show. And then uh, I had the dubious responsibility of auditioning with every beautiful brunette woman in LA uh, who was auditioning for the role. And the, the list was yes. extremely long because there were a plethora of beautiful uh, athletic women here in LA with long dark hair. And uh, I auditioned with all of them. <clears throat> and then when Joanna Cameron came in, uh, she was just right. You know, she was physically right. She was an athlete. She played tennis. She, she swam, she water skied, she, and uh, her, her voice and her, her and she was just right. So uh, they cast her and, uh, and then the rest is history, really. Um, you know, we started shooting immediately, if not sooner. As soon as Joanna could get on a boat and get to L.A. Was she, was she living in Hawaii when they cast her? Was no, she, no, no, she no. She was, she was living here. I was referring to Joanna Pang Atkins. To be flying out from the East Coast. From the East Coast. No, Joanna Cameron was, she was doing a lot of uh, TV stuff and commercial work here in LA. So yeah. she lived, she lived somewhere here in the LA area. 
Yeah, that's true. She, uh, yeah, I forgot. She did live there in California. And that, uh, even after when she was working at the Madonna Inn, she, she said that, um, she said that she, she must've lived near Carmel because she said, told me at one time that um, Clint Eastwood's assistant um, hooked her up with her, her, her boyfriend, Grant. Um, that's how she met him. Cause she was, he had a bicycling shop and that she went in to buy a bicycle from his um, shop. Oh, and really? That's how they met. Yeah. How interesting. Yeah. But the Madonna Inn, um, that's, isn't that Northern? Like that's up? It's, uh, Central California, San Luis Obispo. Okay. Okay. Well then that's where the golf course was that they filmed the VH1 thing. Right. So that's all. See, right. I don't know California how it's laid out. So, you know, yeah. I, I, yeah, I mean, seems like it's a really big place. It is a big place, but it, but it isn't a big place. I mean, yeah, it, it, yeah. yeah it's spread out, but it, it's pretty, uh, pretty easy to get around California. Okay, well, um, I hope that, uh, that, that, you know, we, we didn't take up your whole day. We might have gone for a record on this one. Yeah. This, this has been delightful. <laughs> I've had a good time. Uh, what do I Yeah, do? we did. I did too. Awesome. It's awesome. Go home and stare at the walls, you know? I had a good time. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Any, well, thank any, you. Anytime somebody can put me together with Miss Paying Atkins, I love it. <laughs> Right. We do lots. We'll do lots of stuff together. Yeah. Yeah. We sure will. Awesome. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, well I love well, you. Thank Joe. you, but thank you. Know you. Love you, Brian. Oh. And, and Lisa and Patrick. Thank okay. you so yeah, much. we love you both. <laughs> we, we love you. We love you equally. We love you too, awesome. Lisa and Patrick. Thank you. Well, thank, thank you all you. so much. For this, uh, for this episode, our secret word is ISIS, of course, because secrets of ISIS, our secret word has to be ISIS. <laughs> you know, so um, our, we're giving away um, a DVD of the Saturday morning cartoons of the 70s. So if you send us a message and put the secret word ISIS, you can win that prize. Cool. We want to thank our listeners. Uh, we, we hope you enjoyed today's episode. We have a new episode every Wednesday. Please interact with us on our uh, Facebook page and let us know what topics you would like us to uh, discuss on future episodes. And as we sign off, I want to leave you with this final thought. Rick, this is the third time you've invited us to go boating, and this is the third time we haven't even left the dock. Is this boat glued to its slip? You don't understand. Half the fun of boating is the preparation. Fun for who? For whom? Okay, fun for whom? Look, all of this preparation is very necessary, and I promise both of you that the next time we come out here, I'll take you out into... Rick, there's not going to be a next time. Your slaves have just emancipated themselves. I know what both of you need, a nice cold drink. It's going to take more than a cold drink to straighten out my sore back. Cindy, you and I are two fairly intelligent young women. How did we let him con us into this three times in a row? Just lucky, I guess. There, now you relax and enjoy that. And uh, I don't want either one of you to dare do one lick of work for at least 10 minutes. Oh, my queen, said the royal sorcerer to Hatshepsut. With this amulet, you and your descendants are endowed by the goddess Isis with the powers of the animals and the elements. You will soar as the falcon soars, run with the speed of gazelles, and command the elements of sky and earth. 3,000 years later, 
a young science teacher dug up this lost treasure and found she was heir to the secrets of Isis. And so, unknown to even her closest friends, Rick Mason and Cindy Lee, she became a dual person, Andrea Thomas, teacher. Oh, my Jesus. And Isis, dedicated foe of evil, defender of the weak, champion of truth and justice. Thank <laughs> you.